2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman on NFL. And joining me today is the one and only Ben Fennel. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Fennell underscore NFL. Always great to talk to Ben, but especially, especially right after the NFL draft, which Ben is heavily involved with along with the NFL network. So Ben, let me kick things off. How are you? How are you doing? How was the draft? And most importantly, uh, did you avoid getting peed on like uh, Daniel Jeremiah?
3: Yeah, didn't, uh didn't get in the way of any urine streams by the puppies. Uh, that was all DJ taking one for the team out there. Uh, in the day three craziness that always happens with our wacky broadcast stuff, I just think in those moments, what would Mayock say? Who, oh, who yeah. was the, uh, you know, kind of the professional and a little bit of the curmudgeon on the group, always wanted to bring it back to the players in the draft. Um, was a little moment of levity, which you need on day three. So that was fun. But the draft broadcast went great. It's such a buildup. Uh, to a major event. It is a relief to be here Monday morning back at home on the back side of the event. So much weight is off my shoulders. You might be able to visualize it and see it at this point. Um, can almost feel that golf course. Just a couple more things to uh, tie up here and do a couple recaps and say some goodbyes here at NFL Films. And then I'll be in summer mode before you know it and looking ahead to next class. So whenever you're ready to talk to next class, Andy, you just give me a call. I'll stop three putting that day and uh, come chat with you uh,
2: anytime you want to. Uh, I love the sound of the summer and the Gulf. Uh, we have snow in green Bay here in may. So uh, it still seems very far away for us, which is just beyond crazy. But anyway, the other thing I wanted to ask you is how, how involved are you, in the stump, the truck process. I know you put a like a lot of film together on these players and stuff like that. So is this uh if, if the truck wins, is that a win for Ben or how, how does that process work?
3: I'm pretty hands off with that. A lot of okay. that is the uh, bunch of the PAs and production guys back in LA building the general highlight videos and B-roll videos, if you will. Uh, I specialize a little bit more in the X's and O's videos for Daniel Jeremiah. Um, gotcha. I'm actually a little bit on the dark side there because I give Charles Davis and Peter Schrager a couple aces in the hole of some guys off the beaten path. As you all know, I love to find sleepers and guys from obscure schools and all over the place and give players attention that play football because there's football everywhere. The NFL will find you. So I actually slid a couple across to Charles Davis just as a, uh, a few aces up his sleeve. If he needed any, I think he used the one, um, but I'm not too prideful either way. I always just love seeing the truck show up and just show how deep, that inventory and database of video is—I think 1,800 highlight videos per prospect. So if they got their name called, they were pretty ready for it. And it's always a fun challenge on day three. Once again, you need those moments of levity out there.
2: Yeah, very much so. I going back to Mayock for a second. I think the what was it—an orangutan or somebody that made the yep, pick? the, or the classic
3: was... orangutan oh. picks. Yeah, that was uh, that's a notable one that Mayock did not enjoy that day.
2: Absolutely amazing. One of my favorite all time draft moments is just Mayox reaction to it, but I digress. Let's go over this draft and specifically the Packers version of this draft. So Ben, we talked prior to the draft and one of the things that you said you wanted to see Green Bay accomplish was getting more talent and getting more playmaking. So we'll, we'll break down this in much more granular detail in just a moment, but overarching, did you feel like Green Bay succeeded in getting more talent and playmaking in this draft?
3: Absolutely. And it's going to be tough to debate. It's going to be tough to argue at this point. And I just want to throw in that one asterisk that last time we talked. This was a team that was not particularly aggressive in free agency in the lead up to the draft. And we love that moniker of, do you enter the draft ready to play a game? And we both kind of came to this consensus. This roster wasn't ready to play. Now, the other side of that, it's going to be very easy to upgrade and make improvements in the draft. And I think that's what the Packers did. And it's going to be really tough to argue because they didn't fill those needs through free agency. So it's not a debate on did they improve, did they upgrade? They clearly got better. They clearly added talent. Now let's just see if all the pieces in the puzzle work together and on what timeline the pieces are going to work together. Because we all know not everybody's development and incorporation to the NFL works at the same speed. So let's see who's ready to play day one and let's see who's going to maybe take some time and have some promise in the future.
2: Yeah. And I think the nice thing is they did attack it in a variety of ways, two tight ends, three wide receivers, a running back, they get a backup quarterback. So different, uh, different timelines maybe for those players, but at least they've given themselves some options, especially going back to last year too. three more wide receivers and Watson Dobbs and Toure. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how all of these pieces on offense fit together, especially in the post Aaron Rodgers world. Let's start with pick one though, Lucas Van es. before we break down Van es in more detail, Four interesting guys there for Green Bay. Vanessa's is there, which is the classic Green Bay Packer pick. You've got Jackson Smith and Jigba, which is the antithesis of a, a classic Packers pick. We know they avoid weapons in the first round, like uh, grim death, uh, They get, you know, Gonzalez is still there that ultimately goes to the Patriots. Christian Gonzalez, really fun corner that maybe, you know, wasn't expected to be there. He falls to them. And if they wanted to go offensive line, Broderick Jones is there as well. Four very interesting players. Obviously, there's others. The tight ends are all on the board at that point. But thoughts on them going Van S over maybe some of those other options?
3: Yeah, I had a slight edge to Broderick Jones in that situation. I think life after Bakhtiari is getting quickly in the rear view and up on our uh, rear bumpers there. And I think preparing for that position for a young quarterback is going to be critical. So I thought maybe offensive line would be in play. I think I precursored it last week. I felt confident it was going to be edge or tackle or edge or offensive line. It's just the Packers philosophy. I think Guttekunst really hammered that home in his post press conference about positional value and how they view uh, premium positions. Receiver just isn't in the cards there for them at that position in the draft. So I was thinking edge tackle. I had a little bit of a soft spot for Broderick Jones. But the more I see the Van Ness pick and I start to talk myself into the future of the offensive line just for a second here. This may end up being a kick Elton Jenkins out to left tackle. You know, let Zach Tom and Nijman compete at right tackle. And don't forget about third round pick Sean Ryan from last year. So it could be a battle between Sean Ryan, John Runyon Jr., Royce Newman, and maybe another guy competing for the two guard spots. Suddenly you start framing it like that, Andy, might have a competent five here for another two or three years. So I think there's some interesting talent uh, to still consider on this roster. There's some com- uh, competitions at spots. I think that's good. Uh, so going right to the D line there with the 13th pick, I'm kind of coming around on it.
2: Yeah, I don't mind it either, and I think it certainly made some sense, especially look at this is probably Preston's last year. Rashawn's coming off a torn ACL, and Igbari still has some upside, but he still has to develop, and we haven't exactly seen a bunch of second-year jumps from Green Bay Packers as of late. Going back to offensive line for just a moment before we get to Van Ness here, and I'll let you break him down in, in greater detail, but I thought one of the most surprising things of this entire draft is that they didn't draft an offensive lineman in the entirety of the draft, but to your point, they're sort of in an interesting position along the offensive line. Right now, they've got probably six starters in Bakhtiari. You've got Zach Tom, as you mentioned, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., Yash Nyman. You kind of got six guys that have been starters or project as potential starters this upcoming year. So you've kind of got those guys. As you mentioned, moving forward, um, they, well, they also have some guys who have started in the past. I know maybe not the Packers fans' favorite players, but um, Royce Newman has started a good chunk of games in this league already, um, You know, so they, they've got a, a couple of guys there, and then they also have some developmental pieces that they've sort of sniped uh, and, you know, an undrafted free agency late in the draft. And also from another team and Luke Tanuda, who was a draft pick last year, who they claimed off of waivers. They've got Caleb Jones. They got Rashid Walker, as you mentioned, Sean Ryan. And I, Gudi mentioned this as well, but I, I had talked about it also where, you almost get to a point in the draft where if it's a sixth round offensive lineman, you're basically taking somebody as a developmental guy and in order to do so and keep them on the roster, you have to cut another developmental guy that you've already spent a year with. So Great at point. some point Great it just point. didn't make sense to sort of draft one of those guys.
3: Yeah. And Sean Ryan, don't forget it was a third round pick last year. One of yeah. four players in the NFL that were day two picks and didn't play a snap. So taking him in the third round, that's no slouch of value that has plans. That has you know, uh, you know, usage, you know, that's they want to put Sean Ryan on this roster for a reason and just put Sean Ryan's name up and down the third round this year and look at the other types of players that went across the NFL. Third round picks and day two are no slouch. So expect Sean Ryan to be in the future plans and easily at least compete for either guard spot moving forward.
2: Yeah, I think that would be the whole. Hopefully, he had that suspension late in last year. Hopefully, that was a message sent. As you mentioned, one of the few players that did not play snaps last year is a top 100 pick. So hopefully, the message is sent and he comes in camp ready to compete. But let's—I uh, digress from offensive line. Let's go over Lucas Van Ness. Your thoughts on him as a overall player?
3: Yeah, you know, I think Packers fans kind of know what he's bringing. He's a really young, exciting, hard-charging, powerful, versatile defensive lineman. He's 21 years old, has just scratched the surface with, I think, his ability, his upside, his maturity, his growth, one with a lot of natural gifts on Saturdays. A lot of brute strength, a lot of great first step, overwhelming offensive lineman with his power and veracity and effort and tenacity and relentlessness. If you're just a relentless all-go-motor type of player, man, you're going to flirt with double-digit sacks almost every year in college. And this guy just plays very, very hard, very willing to do whatever it takes. And if taking a backup role is what they ask at Iowa, which they did because they play some seniors, that's okay. If he needs to play some nose tackle one shade for you, he'll step right up and do it. You need to play stand-up eds, He'll he'll, he'll put his hand up and do it. So he's a versatile guy. He's a strong guy. I think he still needs to work on some pass rush plans, some counter moves, some setup moves. He won with some natural gifts. And I think Sunday is when the natural gifts slowly start to come to balance with everybody else's natural gifts. Because Sundays are just freak shows all over the place. So if you're stronger than the other guy on Saturday... He's probably equally as strong on Sunday. So you need to be a little bit more technically sound with your hands, your pass rush plan, your counter moves, your awareness, your setups, things like that. But for a 21-year-old that's just scratching the surface, Van Ness is a very exciting addition to this Packers team and really any defensive line room across the NFL. Excited that he landed here in Green Bay.
2: Yeah, there's not a, a team in the NFL that wouldn't be excited to add him to the
3: you know, defensive and, and line. And really quick, Andy, just for a Packers perspective, Just think about the snaps Dean Lowry has played for this team over the past few years. And let's just slide them right in and say, he's going to take every snap Dean Lowry played the last three to four years. You're upgrading the talent there immensely. So I'm excited for that proposition. Van Ness is going to play. I'm not entirely sure where yet. But I look at that Dean Lowry role and say, wait a minute. I think we just got a little bit more juiced up there, a little more explosive there, a little longer there and a little bit more playmaking finish there. And that should excite Packers fans.
2: Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. Um, like I said, I think every defensive line room in the NFL would be certainly happy to have a player like that. I I know they're not the same player, but I feel like there's a little bit of that same progression baked in that we saw with Rashawn Gary that we're potentially could be looking at here with Lucas Van obviously big time raw athlete coming out of a big 10 school. And, um, you know, I think, you know, if you look at Gary, what he played a couple hundred snaps his first year it was almost like a redshirt season. I think Van Ness is going to, um, you know, pass that very quickly and very easily this upcoming season with where they're at, especially with Gary coming off of a torn ACL. But I think you could see his first year, first couple of years, even it was sort of that raw tools. And then, you know, end of year two, early year three, you started to see him add some moves to that repertoire and start to become a more well-rounded player. I think there could be a similar sort of trajectory here, but maybe just a little bit souped up with how many snaps he needs to play as a rookie.
1: Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set.
3: Yeah, I think that's fair. But I think Van Ness is a little bit more NFL ready, in my opinion, with his strength, with his power. And I like to categorize rushers as an A to B type or a runaround type. Two very general terms of rushers. Runaround types, you don't want to touch offensive linemen. You want to beat them with speed, finesse, a lot of high side rushers. That's like your... Brian Burns type, A to B, straight line rushers, power rushers. They want to go through offensive linemen, get on a half man, blast inside shoulders, win with power. That's Van Ness, which tells me he'll be a little bit more ready to play the run as a young player and a little bit more productive as a pass rusher as a young player. Remember, Rashawn Gary really relied on speed early in his career, had a lot of what we call flyby rushes, getting behind the quarterback, taking himself out of plays. That's not Van Ness game van ness is going to get to the depth of the quarterback collapse go inside not take himself out just a little bit more combative at the point of attack a little bit more strong man into him in everything that he does so that's nothing to take away gary he's turned into a great player has cleaned up a lot of those flaws in his game over the last two years really excited to see where he takes this uh season after the acl but a van ness i think is going to be a Pretty impactful player early in his career. Just don't ask him to play a thousand snaps and up and down the D lineman as a young player. Give him a role. Give him a skill set. Give him a position and say, go dominate that one thing first.
2: And I think the nice thing is with the expectation that Rashawn comes back, hopefully earlier in the year, you know, at edge, you know, Enigbari, Preston, you know, Vaness and Gary is like a really fun group of four players that you can rotate along the edge, bring a little bit different things to the table. And then on the interior, they got kind of their Devonte Wyatt, Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton. They draft two guys later in the draft that we'll probably talk about a little bit, but then you also can rotate him in a little bit in there. Once that whole defense is together, if you can get to that point, like hopefully there is a little bit more of a, all right, we don't need to play. Him, you know, like you said, 900,000 snaps.
3: Yeah, I think managing the expectation, the role of the rookies is as as important as anything. Um, Not only just their development and just being comfortable with the game, what you ask of them is really important too.
2: That's really well said. I'm a huge believer in getting players off to a strong start and having a functional role for them that they can come in and succeed at. I I think Josh Jackson probably would have not turned out almost no matter what, but I think bringing him in as a outside zone corner, what he was in college all the time, and then immediately bringing him in his first year and playing him as a man-to-man slot corner, like you could not ask for a worse way to set him up for failure. Like you're setting him up to fail early. You get no confidence when you're playing out of position in a position that just doesn't fit your skill set. And like I said, maybe he would have ended up not working out anyway, but at least give the guy a chance to do what he can do well, rather than putting him out of position and like you just lose that confidence
3: immediately and Andy one thing I think is just a bit of a buyer beware is Kunz's reinforcement and LaFleur's that these young guys are gonna have to step up and contribute right away yeah and this is the full cycle of not going into the draft ready to play that didn't that means you didn't address those major needs through free agency with veterans puts a lot of onus on the young guys and just based on the percentages and everything we know in history some guys are going to fall on their face. Some guys aren't going to be the part. Some guys are going to leave you a little disappointed. doesn't mean they're bust right away. The developmental curve may be a little bit elongated or different than other players, but it's going to be turbulent. And there's going to be some excitement and a lot of highs at young, exciting players. There's going to be some lows, too. This is the you know cycle and chaos you get with young players. It's exciting, but it's going to have some growing pains, too. So managing those expectations, very important for the season.
2: Well, the good news is outside of David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones, pretty much everyone has that chaotic excitement to it. So it should be a chaotic, exciting offense this year. Speaking of rookies that are going to have to probably play right away and be given roles right away, let's talk about the two tight ends. Green Bay gets Luke Musgrave at the beginning of round two, and then they go back and double up on it. Tucker Craft in round three, attacking a deep tight end group very early in the draft. Um, Really like both of these picks, but what were your thoughts on how both of these players can impact the
3: Packers moving forward? Certainly two players needed, uh, obviously needed to address the tight end room and double down on it, uh, as there were some glaring needs to fill the Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tunyon role in the offense. And I think they got two pretty good embodies of both. And Tucker Kraft, I think, is a little bit more of a bigger body, wide body, bigger lower half type that could put his hand in the turf, block some defensive ends, make some tough catches on third down in the red zone. Also a pretty good, you know, yards after catch guy. He's got some nimbleness, some aggressive you know lumbering yak where he'll tumble over defensive backs and pick up his feet in space really like to see strong hands good catch radius and Musgrave the tall long glass of water the seam stretcher the long strider can win above the rim great hands he looks like that guy can play flex out in the slot you can throw him some jump balls has that Mike Kosicki type of vibe to him down in Miami um, probably not a guy that you're going to you know, be able to get low enough, you know, in the trenches to block the ends. But that's okay. Um, He's still a tough guy on the move, can still block out in space. As we know, the Packers love a lot of that perimeter action, jet sweeps, uh, reverse stuff, you know, getting some of those fullbacks, H-backs, U-tight ends as lead blockers, as we've seen Taguara do and Tanyan do from time to time. So I think Musgraves an exciting offensive weapon. And I think that's all you have to call him right now. You know, I don't know if you have to, you know, purely classify what he's going to be. Except just a weapon right now. And that's exciting. I think both of them are really exciting propositions. Kraft seems a little bit more ready to right. play from a body maturity standpoint. That's a thick kid out there. And while Musgrave is tall and long and angular, Tucker Kraft looks like a refrigerator wearing cleats. And guys, I like those types. All right. He's nasty. He's going to put his face into you in the run game and do all that dirty work we know that needs to be done in the floor's offense.
2: I think Tucker craft is going to be more of your I right, just go do what kind of Tunyon did and go play the Y tight end and I think Musgrave is going to be more of like all right this guy's too talented maybe he can't do some of the like the all around tight end stuff that we want but how can we get him in mismatches? How can we utilize him in the red zone? I think when we talk about having a plan for a rookie, my guess is Matt LaFleur has already drawn up things in his notebook of how he can get Luke Musgrave matched up with some advantageous positions. I think you can move him all around, as you mentioned. One of the things I liked as a blocker, and you kind of alluded to this, is he really did a great job of hitting his landmarks. Now, once he got to that landmark and actually got somebody bodied up, then it became a little bit more of, a, of an issue at times, and he could get thrown around a little bit. But you could tell he cared. You could tell he wanted to get to those spots. You could tell... Uh, that he had some uh, attention to detail with it, which I liked, but just going to have to probably add a little bit of functional strength if that's even what you ultimately want him to do or if you just want him to be that mass, you know, mismatch piece.
3: In Oregon State, that's a run-first offense. They love yep. their under-center, outside zone, split-flow stuff that you see out in Green Bay and with McVay and all those schemes. That offensive line two years ago was a Joe Moore war finalist. That's a nasty run game, really good blockers. You don't play at Oregon State unless you're willing to play the run game. So while he maybe wasn't that wide tight end, Tegan Kitarano, who I think is in Houston, did a lot of that dirty work um, and obviously didn't get on the field like we had expected in 2022 because of the injury. Uh, we were expecting him to fill into that role and get a little bit better projection on how he would fit there. Didn't get to see that. That's okay, though. That Oregon State team, you only play as a tight end if you're willing to do the run game stuff. So don't look at the production in the past game compared to you know the other you players know, uh, You know, the seam stretch guys and some guys that are featured in the offense. He really wasn't. Um, You know, he made some catches off of play action. They got him down the field on some leak stuff, some seam stretching, but really wasn't a featured member of that offense because it's such a run game focused. And that's okay. That's how certain offenses go on Saturday.
2: Yeah, very much so. A little bit more of a projection there, like you said, because it was more of a run-first offense. I mean, I think he barely averaged more than a catch per game, two touchdowns in his career, so the productivity wasn't there, but that's why we don't box score scout. Like this morning,
3: Andy, I was just looking up third-down catches. I just watched third-down targets of all three of these uh, day three guys. Jaden Reed, tons, like dozens and dozens. Musgrave, I think, has like three or four catches on third-down in his career at Oregon State, so it just wasn't that volume I had – Maybe anticipated seeing. It. I thought there'd be a little bit more, but he just wasn't a fixture of that pass game. And that's not his fault. That's the offensive design. That's okay. He's still an NFL talented player.
2: Very much so. right, uh, let's go to the other pass catchers, the wide receivers. They get Jaden Reed in the second round. Uh, they come back and take Dontavian Wicks in the fifth round. And then they finish their draft up with Grant Dubose in the seventh round. They don't have much depth at wide receiver. There's another position where these guys are going to have to play. Um, you're basically fighting Samore Toure. You know, any of these guys for a number three spot right now. Romeo Dobbs doesn't exactly have anything locked down as a starter. He's going to play, but, you know, any of these guys could come up and step up at any time. So we know Watson's going to play, but there are all, oh, I would expect the three guys from last year that were drafted, the three guys that were this year from drafted, would probably be your six wide receivers going into the season, and how they stack up could be anyone's ballgame, but your thoughts on these three wide receivers?
3: Well, they're going to be competition on the depth chart, and these are three competitive SOB type of receivers on the field. So I love their play personality, and they're going to need it as far as their place on this roster, because it's open season. Yeah, Christian Watson probably has a spot being a high capital draft pick, but Everybody else is on notice here, and I think everything is up for grabs. Tons of snaps available, targets available, feature spots in the offense available. So I'm really excited to see these three guys that have some NFL readiness in the way they catch the ball, but also beat press coverage, win in the route, and I think their stacking order of the draft really just spoke to the traits that they brought. Jaden Reed tested exceptionally, has a little bit more yards after catch juice, a little bit more return upside. You know, Dontavian Wicks, though, excellent at the catch point as well. Excellent beating press coverage. Not a testing wonder, though. More of a 4-6-2 type of guy, um, but a guy that can knows how to win off the line and win in the route and catch the ball. That's an NFL receiver right there. You know, we see those types come out all the time in the draft. And Grant DuBose out of Charlotte, similar type. You know, a guy that's not a wow tester, but a really firmly built receiver. It's 6'2", 200 pounds, and can play so strong in every phase of the route. We talked about getting off the line. We talked about winning in the route. These guys are also tough at the catch point too. I absolutely love that. There's nothing finesse in any of these receivers. And I know Jaden Reed maybe didn't meet the size threshold. He plays bigger than whatever he's listed at 5'10 and change or 5'9 or whatever he is. These are three dogs out there. So I'm really excited. You all know I'm a big Jaden Reed guy. I think he was one of the Underdog sleepers of this draft, and I have big expectations for him. I think he's going to be a playmaker on Sundays.
2: Yeah, I think it's a really fun trio of wide receivers with Dubois. A couple plays in the same game: one where he, um, you know, gets down the field for an explosive touchdown, and then in the same game catches a little crosser near the red zone and runs through three defenders to get into the end zone for a touchdown. You love to see that mix of all right. He's got some playmaking, but he can actually you know run through people's faces as well. He's got
3: crazy catches too. He's got catches where he's pulled him off DB's head, off their back impressive adjustments i know jaden reed's got the my ball catch point one-on-one plays grant dubose i think uh might be right up there with him and my one last note about dante van wicks i loved him watching him over the summer this guy came off a 1200 yard season they would have nine touchdowns last year in 2021 20 yards a catch Took Devin Witherspoon a few times last year in their matchup. That was one of my more intriguing rematches this season. Yeah, he got the best. Of it. I think Witherspoon got the better of him this matchup. Virginia just had some trouble this year. Wicks <laughs> fell off a little bit. He didn't have the connection with the quarterback. The quarterback didn't play as well. Also, a lefty. It just all looked bad out there. Had some drops. Don't forget, Virginia went through some things as a program as well. So that 2022, just collectively, did not go to plan for Don TV and Wicks. I'm going to give him the benefit of, doubt, the, benefit of the doubt and say he's going to get back to that 2021 form on Sundays, and he's 6'2", 203 pounds. He ran 4.62. My comp is Jacoby Myers, who ran 4.63, Perfect. who just took a great free agent contract to the Las Vegas Raiders, who was a great day three pick and ended up being a fantastic contributor to the New England Patriots. Look out for Don TV and Wicks to maybe take a similar path.
2: Oh, that'd be perfect for Green Bay. And yeah, Tony Pauline and I had a conversation about the same thing where Virginia's offense just basically fell off the face of the earth. I think the quarterback's now transferring and, and did, Wicks, yeah. like ev- everything just went to crap. So like you but said, we it, all
3: know, the off, you know what happened in there, that campus, that program. I think we all feel for everybody in that locker room, yep. and we don't want to bury anything that happened on the field in 2022. must have been very hard for these young adults and guys trying to you know, find their footing in the next level and become professionals. Awful thing that happened there at Virginia, so I wish Wicks the best. I'm happy he got selected because he really deserved it.
2: Yeah, that's very well said and well thought out. Um, any other thoughts? Obviously, they had like a bazillion uh, third-day picks, uh, <laughs> but any other players that stood out for you on day three?
3: Yeah, you know, I think the Carl Brooks and the Colby Wooding guys are, are going to be a lot of fun, versatile D linemen. Carl Brooks, another guy, he's got a bad-looking body. He's a wide-body DL out there, but he has got knows how to get after the pass. He's got 160 career quarterback pressures, a little raw against the run. If anybody in NFL circles knows the name Kerry Heider, who is a hired gun defensive yep. lineman in the NFL, keeps getting jobs with the Niners, Lions, the Lions. 49ers, yep. I don't know where he is right now, but he's got a job somewhere. Yep. That's Carl Brooks out there. He's a guy that doesn't look the part. He's going to keep getting jobs. Now, Brooks needs to be a little bit better with the run and block ID, awareness on early downs, things like that. Might just be a situational pass rusher early on, and that's okay. And Colby Wooden, I thought Tony Pauline hit it right on the head. He saw him as a true freshman, and he said, whoa. This guy's going to be a first-round pick in two years. Guarantee it. All-freshman team in the SEC in 2020 just leveled off a little bit as that Auburn program kind of leveled off a little bit in the past two or three years. High expectations for tons of people. Not only Colby Wooden, but the Derek Halls, the Bo Nixes of the world. That program kind of came apart at the seams, too. Remember the way we were talking about Tank Bigsby after yeah. his freshman year? Thought he was going to be a top-15 pick. No doubt about it. That guy ran through the SEC. And then everybody kind of leveled off there at Auburn. Certain programs don't keep on the rise with developing these players. Auburn is one with that asterisk. So Colby Wooden, Carl Brooks, really excited to see those versatile pieces. Just find their way on the defensive line and see where they can use them.
2: This is going back a very long way. back around, it was before it was before Kabir was drafted for green Bay. I was reading an article. I forget what I was. I was reading something on, on scouting players. And, um, but they said at the time, that like, at some, you, at some point trust pass rush production. unless you have a really awful, you know, by like you're a negative percent, you know, percentile athlete or something like that, where you just don't have (laughs) any juice to win in the NFL at some point, just trust the sack production and the pressure production. If they know how to get to the quarterback, some of these guys are just hunters. They, Know they find a way, it doesn't matter who's across from them, it doesn't matter who's at quarterback, it doesn't matter if they have a little bit of a worse body than the guy across from them. They just know how to find the quarterback. And every time that I watch Carl Brooks at Bowling Green, I felt there was a little bit of that of just like, you know what, you can line him up wide, you can line him up inside, you can line him up anywhere. It doesn't matter, he just finds his way into the backfield and making plays. I trust that, and I'm hoping that like Kabir back in the day, um, who had insane uh, production and, you know, went in the fifth round, had crazy sack production at San Diego State. It turned out they're obviously two totally different players, uh, right. but sometimes you just trust the production.
3: Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. There's some guys who just have a knack at getting upfield, getting after the quarterback, slithering past blockers. It's obviously a different type of play and combat than defending the run, which I think Brooks has some things to work on. Um, was probably most people either 1 or 1A vote. For combine snow i think people wanted Marte mapu out of sac state yeah. to go and carl brooks seemed like he was the other one so i hope he still has that chip on his shoulder glad he got his name called on day three and for that last conversation on day three go look at my twitter account been hyping up anthony johnson andy this kid's gonna start he's gonna start i don't know why he lasted to the seventh. i don't know how the packers particularly valued a kicker and a backup quarterback ahead of him but glad they eventually got anthony johnson His tape has blown me away. I think this kid's on a track to start and fill him right into that Adrian Amos role. I think that's going to be a perfect type of safety role, more of a top-down type of safety with some serious tenacity, some feistiness. He's from Florida. I like defensive backs from Florida. They're just different. They're faster. They're nastier. They are football-ready out there in Florida. He's a fun player. Cornerback background, slid to a safety nickel spot this past season. He's a fun player. Anthony Johnson Jr., he's going to be a fan favorite in Green Bay.
2: I'm excited for him. He brings some special teams value as well. Yep. And you look at that. I, I learned over the weekend that Tariq Carpenter has moved from safety to inside linebacker. So that's oh, one okay. less safety on the depth chart. Makes sense based on the body. I think yeah, that he makes... was
3: 220. He was 220. I'm sure he's up to 225 now, maybe even 230. That's yep. a good transition. Yeah.
2: Totally agreed. Uh, but that leaves you with Darnell Savage, who also is on the last year of his deal. And probably the only reason he's on the roster is because he has that guaranteed contract. They go out and sign Tervarius Moore for basically a vet minimum type of deal. Yeah. They get Rudy Ford back on basically a vet minimum type of deal. Solid player. You got an Innis Gaines, and then you've basically got like uh Anthony Johnson. Like there's not and then Dallin Levitt's on the team. That, that, just throw him in the specialist group with your long snapper, your kicker, and your punter. You don't want to probably see Dallin Levitt on the field as a safety. So the, his competition for a starting safety spot, it may sound crazy, seventh-round pick, you don't just immediately you know move the – Green Bay's depth chart is there for the taking. If he can come in and show anything, he could legitimately earn
3: a starting spot on this team. If I'm Anthony Johnson, I'm showing up first on the lines on drills. I'm acting like that's my spot. And like you said, there is kind of a path to him. Starting in the pretty early. So I'm excited for him. How does the team view Keyshawn Nixon? Purely a corner type?
2: Slot. Yep. They slot, they basically okay. so they basically come out and said that he is going to be their slot corner this year. Is that that's our expectation? So um the interesting that was interesting because they have got they've got Douglas you know, Stokes and uh, obviously Jair on the outside, immediately people jump to the conclusion, oh, is going to move to safety. He practiced there a little bit in training camp a season ago. It sounds like it's more of Eric Stokes is going to take time to recover from his injury, unfortunately, and probably is not going to be ready to start the season. So it's going to probably be Jair and Razul on the outside with Keyshawn on the inside, and then they'll work, you know, Stokes back slowly as he recovers from injury.
3: Hmm. That's fair.
2: That's fair. So uh, just kind of wrapping this up here, you know, is there a player of this group that you ended up being most excited? I know you were a big, you know, Jaden Reed guy, but a player you're most excited about from this Packers draft?
3: Yeah, it's probably going to be split between Jaden Reed and Anthony Johnson at this point, letting the dust settle just a little bit. Not to say Van Ness won't be exciting. I mean, they have enough first-round pick talent on that defense. It's time for the the chef and the sous chef to kind of make it all work, uh, for lack of better words. I think we're all a little surprised maybe that, Joe Barry's hanging around. Darnell is in there in his fifth year. We'll see if they can make it work in 2023. But Anthony Johnson, I think, is a great seventh-round steal. I highlighted him on Twitter this morning. Go find some of those clips. War number 26 early in his career, then switched to number one uh, when Ashim Young went to Ole Miss. But if anyone knows Cyclone talk out there. Uh, But Jaden Reed, that's exactly the type of piece I've been wanting in this offense for a few years. I like Amari Rogers, but Jaden Reed is that and more. He is a three-level receiver, a dog, a playmaker. Go watch his one-on-ones at the senior bowl. I think one of the better route runners and one of the better overall performances uh, down there in Mobile in the practice week. Tough offense at Michigan State. I think his best football is ahead of him. So we finally landed one of Ben Fennel's gadget day two crushes (laughs) in the slot. Didn't meet the size thresholds. Everybody told me, no, it's not happening. He didn't have the raz and all those other thresholds the Packers put on themselves for no reasons. Jaden Reed, I think, is going to be a good weapon for this offense. Exciting to to see it. And the Sean Clifford conversation, clearly overdrafted. But when you go into the draft with a need, you typically overvalue. So if you didn't go in with a veteran there as your number two and just let the board fall to you, some more went off in round four. and You probably got a little nervous when you saw DTR and Hayner and some of those guys. Personally, I thought Tanner McKee was a higher prospect. I thought Jaron Hall was a slightly higher prospect. Even a Max Dugan from TCU, I thought could have been a higher prospect than a Sean Clifford. Green Bay brought him in for a 30. We know they bring him players in, Andy. They're typically uh, kind of favored, you know, towards them you know, on draft day. So uh, we like that trend, obviously, for draft projections moving forward. Um, so we'll see. I still wouldn't rule them out bringing in a veteran. Not to take away reps from a young player, but to be a mentor on the sideline, in the locker room, in the meeting room, in the film room, in game preparation, after a drive on Sundays in the season. Having a veteran presence isn't to make Jordan Love look over his shoulder and say, are they going to pull me for this guy? No, it's for a leadership. It's for a mentor. And I think there's a lot of great backups in the league. The Josh McCown types, the Brian Hoyer types that know their place and know that their job is the mentor and tutor the young players. And I think they're still going to grab one of those types.
2: Would not shock me whatsoever. They, I, I think they're, mm-hmm. you will see them be maybe a little bit active in some of these veteran minimum type free agent signings back at yeah. quarterback one. I certainly still think they're going to have an eye on, I think they're probably going to see uh, my guess is they'll probably bring in an undrafted guy either, probably even if it's just for like a camp tryout and they'll mm-hmm. see what Clifford and, and maybe the undrafted guy can do, um, in the rookie mini camps and maybe a couple early OTAs. And Andy it could be a,
3: it could be an XFL guy, you know, it could yeah, be a guy that's has been point. playing type of thing, you know, a guy that's trying to resurrect his career and get into a locker room and he's comfortable just getting on a roster somewhere. So I think it's open season to fill that spot.
2: And Ben DiNucci, Luis Perez, a couple guys out there. No question. Coach. Yep. Absolutely. Um, other thoughts, takeaways on this Packers draft as a whole, as we kind of wrap this up.
3: No, I think it was a pretty exciting draft class. I think, uh, you know, looking ahead to this Packers team, it's uh, obviously it was an interesting off season and not really knowing uh, your future and how it was going to lay out as far as picks and money. And I think this team and roster and fan base are kind of relieved to have the roster dust settle just a little bit here, can move forward. And for all intents, certain teams they have types and I just think they got a bunch of Packer types out there. You know, I think some of the Tucker crafts at us, you know, South Dakota state and a Van Ness at Iowa and a safety at a Iowa state and a receiver at a Michigan state. I just feel like they hit some of their types. And I think the fans are really going to welcome them in. And I'm excited to see this new chapter um, for whatever it brings. I think it's just going to be new and exciting. I don't think it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows. And if you can weather that, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be an up and down year. Like I might have said to you off cameras, the team that might get smoked twice by a division rival and then go and smoke some playoff contenders, you know, it could be that type of crazy year as far as what they put on the field. So temper the emotions, you know, temper the expectations and just have fun with the young team. And I think eventually the front office and coaching staff will have a little bit more honesty and transparency to say our expectations aren't necessarily for Jordan Love to win a Super Bowl in year one. That's crazy. As much as Gutekunst has said, our plans and our goals haven't changed. Yes, we all want to win the Super Bowl. But the expectations for this roster, I think are really important. So I think this team really needs to kind of define what that's going to be moving forward for Jordan Love. And I'm just excited to see him get out there and shake off the rookie cobwebs. Because for all intents, this is his first season starting. It's going to be some up and down play. So let's see where it goes from here. And, uh, if they pick up this option here in an hour or two.
2: I don't know if it's going to be 0-17 or 17-0 and 0 or anything in between, but it is uh, one of my most anticipated Packer seasons in some time. Just excited for something fresh, different, new, and uh, there's going to be bumps in the road. I know that much, but I can't wait to see how it all plays out and to see how some of these players play. Last thing before I let you go. Do you throw on the Anders Carlson tape? Are you are you breaking down kicker tape too? Uh, or are we just past? i, I'm, I don't, I'm not gonna do. It. I'm not doing a deep dive on Anders Carlson. Sorry for anyone that was hoping for that.
3: So actually, I do go in for Daniel Jeremiah that I work on the NFL network broadcast. I exactly. call up all of his notes when players get drafted, so he's not fumbling around his laptop and binder and things like that. He has very bare notes on the kickers. So I go in and fill in a lot of some extra data, their accuracy, their percentage, their background, their relationships, how many over 50, what type of kicker are they? So I do have some background notes on him. He's the younger brother of Daniel Carlson, I believe, on the Browns. Yep. That's about it. Yep. <laughs> That's all you guys are going to get. <laughs> That's why um, I'm there, too. Yeah, uh, he's 6'5". He's a good-looking kid. Um, I'm personally not a draft kicker type You know, you're the Green Bay Packers. You can have an open tryout tomorrow and a thousand kickers from the country will probably come out for you. Um, Just my personal philosophy. I'm also not drafting a long snapper. Just my personal philosophy. But there's some good teams out there like the John Lynch and 49ers that took one in round three. So what do I know? So if Jake Moody and the 49ers ends up being a 15-year kicker for them, they're laughing at me. So uh, if they really like Carlson and he ends up being a kicker in the future, Mason Crosby here, I welcome it. I really know nothing about him um but excited uh, to see him in there i think he was also an auburn tiger so uh i'll have to go back and see if he had the freshman prowess that didn't develop uh just Definitely. like colby colby wood and the other guys
2: <laughs> yeah very much so ben phenomenal phenomenal stuff as always always love doing this with you obviously we'll get together throughout the season and talk packers draft and everything else that we like to talk
3: about and um, i would tell you all where to find me over the next couple of months but it won't be anywhere you can really get me i'll be out on the golf course doing yard work, landscaping, you know, a little bit of a break here, unless you guys are ready to talk 2024. I could come up for air for that. But uh, obviously catch me on Twitter. I'll be breaking down these Packer prospects and draft picks uh, for the next week or so. And then probably take a little bit of a break.
2: You can follow him at Twitter or at Ben underscore at <laughs> Ben Fennell underscore NFL on Twitter. You can follow me at Andy Herman, NFL, Ben, you've earned it. Enjoy the time off. Enjoy the golf course. That's going to do it for us until next time. And as always go pack go.